Welcome to the Life in Deep Ellum podcast, exploring the sacred in art, faith, and community. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Have you heard that verse before? I see some nods. I can't see you very well, but who's, heard, who's maybe heard that verse? A lot. Okay, okay, a lot of people. Most of us, many of us know that verse, and do you remember memorizing it as a child, like having to have it completely memorized? What I would have never guessed as a kid, and I don't know if you knew this either, is that this verse in the Bible comes from Jesus. Jesus said it, and he actually said it to someone that was not yet a believer. Did you know that? Yeah. We kind of think about this verse being the perfect part of our faith, right? It's, it's sort of the central verse of Christianity, and it's been repeated for over and over and over. You might think that it was spoken to the perfect disciple who had professed Jesus as his Lord and Savior, but actually, it's part of a dialogue between Jesus and someone named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was on the fence about Jesus. And we actually don't know where he ever landed. It never really resolves if he becomes a believer. He never becomes a full born again Christian. His story is a little bit messy. We don't really know how it ends, but no matter how Nicodemus' story ends, Jesus wants to be part of it. Jesus wants to be part of his story. Nicodemus was a Pharisee, and I've told you about Pharisees, the leader of the Jews, the religious officials. And in John chapter 3, which is where we are, if you want to follow along on your phone or um, pretend to follow along, (laughs) whatever you want to do, no judgment. Um, It's kind of the whole point. (laughs) So Nicodemus has some questions, and he was a Pharisee. He, he, he thought he had all the answers, but there was this rabbi who was really shaking things up, and he was curious enough about Jesus to find him in the middle of the night and ask some hard questions. So I'm going to read from John chapter 3. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above, or another translation is born anew. Nicodemus said to him, how can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter the womb a second time and be born? Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it goes, where it comes from, or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit." Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? 
This is the word of the Lord that we're studying today. I think Jesus wasn't surprised when Nicodemus found him that night. And we can almost picture Jesus sitting on a stoop waiting for Nicodemus to come. This curious Pharisee who wants to know more about the Jesus thing. Their exchange is really important for many reasons, but I'll tell you a few that we can learn from this encounter in scripture. There is no shadow that Jesus does not already exist in. And here's what I mean by that. Nicodemus meets Jesus at night. And the book of John is all about light and darkness. It's a huge theme in the gospel of John. But what this means for me is that Nicodemus met Jesus in the middle of the night. And that tells us that there is no nighttime question that Jesus won't meet us in. Do you ever get restless at night or have a hard time sleeping? Yeah. You might, and kids might get scared that something's under the bed. The nighttime can be kind of a scary time. But this story shows us that Jesus already exists in the nighttime. And Jesus will meet us where we are when we have questions to ask. The darkness is even a place that transformation happens. Even though John is all about the light and that Jesus is the true light, he never says that the darkness is evil. It's the very place that Jesus meets us and enters into relationship with us. Sometimes we need to keep our faith in the shadows for a while. Many of us might prefer to keep Jesus as a private curiosity instead of a public proclamation. But God doesn't condemn us for this. God will sit with us in the shadows of our faith and invite us slowly to come out into the light of day. I love how patient Jesus is with Nicodemus in his questions. And yes, he's direct and honest and forthright, but he's, he's not... He's not thrown off by Nicodemus' struggle to understand the gospel. In fact, he is not surprised by it, and he's willing to walk alongside Nicodemus in the darkness, in the shadows. Nicodemus is on the fence about Jesus, and these people don't get a lot of coverage in sermons, right? We're always talking about the the stand-up believers, the Mary and Marthas, the one that are the first to the tomb, his, his disciples. But remember that scripture has a lot of stories of people that weren't quite sure. <laughs> and sometimes that's gonna be us. It's normal to be on the fence about Jesus. That doesn't mean that you're a bad person. You aren't the first one that Jesus has loved who has been on the fence about faith. But I will say that the fence gets uncomfortable to sit on after a while. (laughs) Am I right? If you're sitting on the fence of faith, you're going to get tired of sitting there. And Jesus will sit with you. But he'll also be ready to catch you when you decide to surrender and choose a side. 
The other thing this story teaches me is that we are invited to be born anew in Christ. This phrase in in the book of John, born anew or born from above, has a lot of baggage because it's associated with being born again. And being a born again Christian, have y'all heard of that phrase, right? It means, you know, Jimmy was on drugs and beating people up on the street and getting arrested. And then he gives his life to Jesus. And now he volunteers at the public library and is a very nice person and doesn't hurt anyone anymore. It's a total transformation. Yay, Jimmy. (laughs) It's a total transformation. But the thing that gets kind of annoying about this version of Christianity, if you ask me, is that it this transformation becomes a litmus test for being a true Christian. Are you saved? Do you know that you know that you know that you know? As my dad would say, that you're saved. It also, your transformation in Christ also became something that you bragged about. Because once you were born again, you got to be really proud of being a totally new person. It was kind of held over over people's heads. But what about the times, say, Jimmy is born again, but still struggles? What happens when you are, in fact, still a human being, and the depression still lingers, and the drug addiction doesn't go all the way away, and the marriage is still hard, and parenting is still tough? Ah, you're still in the process of transformation. And that's a holy place to be. Because being born again, being born anew in Christ is the first step of salvation. It's not the last step. It's not a final destination, this journey with Jesus. Think about a baby. You can no more be done with growing than a baby is when a a baby's first born. A baby doesn't come out of the womb a complete and finished product, bragging about its successful birth. I'm done, I've been born. Everything's good from here on out. No, instead when it's born, it's a fresh and new beginning. It's just beginning its life dependent on God. And it's vulnerable when it's reborn. And this is our same invitation, friends. We are invited to be born anew, which is a vulnerable thing. Many of us have had more of a slow burn kind of faith. Maybe not these dramatic moments of conversion. We might have just sort of slowly come to know Jesus. There's no right or wrong way to come to know Christ. You can sit in the shadows of the night like Nicodemus and ask questions till you're blue in the face and Jesus will still love you. Or you can slowly learn about Jesus like most of us, which is a different kind of struggle. You look back and you aren't really sure what you chose or what chose you. But there's grace to cover it all. However you meet Jesus However you encounter our Savior, there's grace. There is no condemnation 
in Christ. Jesus actually says that. He says, God did not send the, the Son into the world to, to, to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Oh, we got that condemnation part wrong. There's no condemnation in Christ, but there is transformation. The grace of the Spirit is with us all. Jesus could have called Nicodemus another word that I came up with, Nicodemus, <laughs> which is now what you will remember this character in Scripture as from now on. He could have just been so frustrated with all his questions, but Jesus meets him with honesty and love. The grace of the Spirit carries us, and Jesus says that the, the wind blows where it chooses. He says the Spirit's like that. We don't get to control where it goes or where it comes from, but like the wind, you just kind of know it when you feel it. And this is a vulnerable way to live in faith because the wind is very powerful, and sometimes it leaves you sitting in a closet listening to sirens go off, or that was me recently with our scare the wind is powerful, but we can trust it. We can trust the Spirit of God to carry us to where we need to go. We must keep showing up to this journey of faith, realizing the limits of our understanding and trust Jesus to teach us again and again, to be reborn again and again. Not as finished products, we won't be those kind of Christians not to claim our salvation with obnoxious bragging rights. Someone dear to me recently told me that the season of Lent just feels redundant. It's the same every year. <laughs> What's new about it? And I love the honesty of this statement. It reminds me of something Nicodemus would be brave enough to say. Why do we keep doing the same thing every year? But then it occurred to me that so it is with birth. Birth is the same every time. The process is the same. The biology of it is the same. And yet, isn't it different every time? Someone new joins the world. And so it is with our walk with God. Every moment is different. Every time is new. And God is seeking to transform us into the likeness of Christ. This is good news, friends. Maybe some of it's always the same, but maybe a whole lot of it is always different. We become different during this season by the grace of God. The last thing I'll say, there's a song I love by Sarah Groves, and it's called Something Changed. And here are the lyrics. Changed inside me, broke wide open, all spilled out, till I had no doubt that something changed. Never would I have believed it until I felt it in my In the deepest part, the healing came. And I cannot make it. And I cannot fake it. And I can't afford it. But it's mine. Something so amazing and a heart so dark and dim when a wall falls down and the light comes in and I cannot make it 
and I cannot fake it, and I can't afford it, but it's mine. My invitation to you this Lenten season, my friends, is to let something change inside you. That we would let something change inside us as we come to know the power of God's love in our lives and we make that love real in our community. Amen.